Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We're in our series called Treasure, God and Money, and today I want to talk to you about the value of wisdom over wealth. The value of wisdom over wealth. In this series, we're looking at the relationship between God and money, and it's important we realize that God is truly our treasure, and we need to trust God on how to manage our money. You know, I'm going to be in the book of Proverbs a lot today, and as I was looking at this this week, it, it reminded me of a prayer that's in Proverbs that I think kind of frames this message real well. In Proverbs 30, verses 7 and 9, the writer says to the Lord, Two things I ask of you, don't deny them to me before I die. Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. And then he says, give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you, saying, who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and steal, profaning the name of my God. And I love that request in the prayer where it says, give me neither poverty nor wealth. In other words, Lord, you know, I need something. I don't want nothing and I don't want everything. Just give me what I need. Give me my daily bread, right? And that way I won't be tempted to have too much and say, well, I don't need the Lord. Who's the Lord? Or I won't have too little and, you know, force, force my hands and, and do things that would dishonor God. And I thought that's a wise prayer, okay? That's a wise prayer to say, well, I know I need something and I don't need everything and I certainly don't want nothing, but Lord, give me my daily bread. And uh, today I want to talk about how we should value wisdom over wealth. You know, when you look at the book of Proverbs, uh, what does it say about wealth and wisdom? There's an interesting link there between those two things. Uh, Proverbs never encourages us to desire to be wealthy. I mean, you can see that in certain books when you go to the library, but you're not going to find that in the book of Proverbs. However, in the book of Proverbs, it does encourage us to make every sacrifice to get wisdom. Now, I believe in an education. I think an education is good and it's useful, but that's not the same as wisdom. And we'll talk about what wisdom is in just a little bit, but the Bible does say make every sacrifice to get wisdom. Now, as I was thinking about this, again, looking at Proverbs for a moment, Proverbs warns us about pursuing wealth. Look, if you will, in Proverbs 23. In Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5, it says, Don't wear yourself out to get rich, because you know better. Stop! As soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears, for it makes wings for itself, and it flies like an eagle to the sky. The Meg's translation is this, money says goodbye, okay? Money talks and it says goodbye. You know, just look at your checking account. You know, for all that comes in, look at all that goes out. It doesn't stick around very long, does it? I mean, money is something we need to live on, but it seems like it's always going to somebody else. And so the Bible warns us about pursuing wealth for wealth's sake. I'm also reminded of Proverbs 28, verse 2. A greedy one is in a hurry for wealth. He doesn't know that poverty will come to him. 
You know, there are some people out there that are greedy. How much money do you want? Well, just a little more, okay? Just a little more, just a little more, and it's never enough. And here's the thing, if you're greedy and you live that way, you need to be reminded that poverty's coming to you at the end. What do I mean? Simply this, you can't take it with you, okay? You can't take it with you. And so at the end, it's not going to be yours anyway. Wisdom is better than wealth. Now, how, do I, how can I make that statement? Well, I want you to realize it comes from Proverbs, but wisdom is better than wealth. Here's a couple of Proverbs. Proverbs 8, 10, and 11. Uh, it says, Accept my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and nothing is uh, desirable can equal it. Okay, or nothing else can compare to it. And so think about that. Wisdom is better than jewels, silver, and gold, and nothing else can compare to it. Now, I know if you're really honest, you're going, yeah, right, because, you know, I can, um, I can take that money, and I can go here, and I can go there, and I can do this, and I can do that, but at the end of the day, you're going to run out of money. But if you have wisdom and God gives you wisdom, you, you have that whenever you need it. Here's another way to say it, Proverbs 16, 16. It says, get wisdom. How much better it is than gold, and get understanding it's preferable to silver. So wisdom is even better than gold, and gold is a rare thing that's very valuable. I want to tell you something, wisdom is a rare thing, and it's even more valuable. Now, why do I say that? Because wisdom as, as I would define it, is this. Wisdom is the ability to apply God's Word to everyday life in order to do God's will. Let me say that again. That's my definition of wisdom. It's the ability to apply God's Word to everyday life in order to do God's will. Now, if you have that kind of wisdom, then no matter what season you're in, no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what situation or problem you face, if you have wisdom, if you're able to apply God's Word to everyday life in order to do His will, then you're always going to know what God wants you to do. Think about that. And that, to me, is priceless. I mean, it's absolutely priceless. But let me back up for a minute, and I want to continue to contrast the difference between wisdom and wealth. So let's look at what wisdom can do, and then I'll tell you what wealth cannot do. What wisdom can do is it can make you happy, or a better word to say it would be blessed. Okay, it can make you blessed. Proverbs 3.13, Happy or blessed is a man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding, for she, referring to wisdom, is more profitable than silver, and her revenue is better than gold. The dividends are much greater when you have wisdom in your life, because it's putting you in the path of God's blessing. It's saying no matter what situation I'm in, I can apply God's Word to it, and I know what He wants me to do, and you can't buy that. But you can ask God for it, and that is wisdom. What, can wealth, uh, what wealth cannot do? Wealth can't give you security. Oh, sure, you know, wealth can buy you a bodyguard. It can buy you a state-of-the-art security system in your home, and it can uh, uh, give you all kinds of perks. But at the end of the day, Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they are protected. The wealth of the rich is his fortified city, 
And in his imagination, it's like a high wall. See, the wealth of the rich, they, they, they are, you know, they're in a nice home. They're maybe in a gated community. Maybe they have a, a security person that drives by all the time and they go, man, I'm safe. Nothing's going to ever happen here. But listen, we live in a fallen world. There's all kinds of things that can happen at any time. True safety, true security comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and they are safe. They are protected. And so wealth cannot give us security because wealth will run out. Wealth also cannot purchase salvation. 11, Proverbs 11.4 says wealth is not profitable on a day of wrath but righteousness rescues from death. Now, if you'll read that verse in, 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 in light, in context of judgment day, standing before God, read it again. Wealth is not profitable on a day of wrath. There's going to be people on judgment day that stand before God, and they're going to get out their checkbook, if you will, and say, all right, Lord, how much do you need? Lord, what's this going to cost me? What do you want? And I'm going to tell you right now, wrong question, wrong answer. It's not going to help anybody. It says, but righteousness rescues from death. When that day comes, if we are right with the Lord, if we knew the Lord Jesus Christ and we look to Him for salvation and we know that He died on that cross for my sin and yours and we put our trust in Him, then our righteousness before God because of what Christ did on the cross, that will rescue us from the second death. Proverbs 11.28, Anyone trusting in his riches will fail. Or fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. And then Proverbs 28, 11, A rich person is wise in his own eyes, but a poor one who has discernment sees through him. <laughs> I love that. There's a rich person that's wise in his own eyes. They think they know it all because they have it all. But a poor person with discernment and wisdom can go, you had not seen nothing yet. One of these days, we're all going to stand before God. We're all going to be judged for everything we said and done. And then that money won't help you. Then those riches will not save you. Only if you are right with the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, I say to you, wisdom is the ability to apply God's Word to everyday life in order to do God's will. So let me give you a couple of three things this morning on how to walk in wisdom. Now that we've established that wisdom is more valuable and more important than wealth, then how do we live that way? How do we enjoy the benefits of wisdom? Well, number one, start by trusting the Lord with all your heart. One of my favorite Proverbs, Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know Him, and He will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. In other words, there's a fork in the road. You and I can either trust the Lord with our, own, with our whole heart and not rely on our own understanding in all our ways, know Him, acknowledge Him, and He'll make our path straight. He'll direct our path. Or we can be wise in our own eyes. And so many times we are wise in our own eyes. I mean, we've got technology on our side now, right? We've got all of these things. I mean, I was reading an article the other day where they're, they're reversing aging in mice. You know, won't be too long that they'll be talking about that in humans, I'm sure. You know, man is always chasing the fountain of youth, is he not? 
But I want to tell you something. When you look at God's Word, you and I need to trust God with all our heart. Quit trying to figure things out. Don't lean. Don't lean. Don't depend on your own understanding. In all your ways, seek to know Him, and He will make your path straight. He'll direct you. He'll guide you each step of the way. But how do we walk in wisdom? It starts with trusting God with all your heart. You know, when I look back at my, my journey of faith in Christ, I think God has blessed me the most when I've learned to ask for help like Danny was talking about. When I realize, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure how to do this or how to do that or what to do. But when I come to Him honestly, when I come to Him humbly and I'm fully trusting in Him, I'm waiting on Him to lead, guide, and direct me. If I will focus on Him and depend on Him and seek to know Him and do His will, His way, He has a way of guiding me along so I can get to where I need to be. That, that's, that's my testimony that I have seen time and again through the years, is if I'll just trust God, He'll take care of it. But I have to actively trust Him. I have to actively seek Him. I have to actively say, I'm not going to depend on my own uh, strength, my own wisdom. I'm going to trust Him, and He directs my path. A second thing we can do when it comes to walking in wisdom is learn to honor the Lord with our possessions. Learn to honor the Lord with our possessions. Still there in Proverbs 3, we read 5 through 8. Look at 9 and 10. It is connected. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Not only do we need to trust the Lord with all our heart and don't lean on our own understanding and know Him, Acknowledge Him in all our ways and He will direct our path. But when it comes to the everyday living of life, the Lord knows what we need. And He says, if you really want to walk in my wisdom, then I want you to honor me with your possessions. I want you to honor me with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Uh, the, the idea is that there is of first fruits. Okay, And so I learned at a very young age, and I'm very thankful for this. I got saved at the age of 17. And one of the very first things that uh, Christian adults around me taught me was the idea of tithing. Okay, Tithing is 10%. And um, I'll talk more about this next week. But as I began to practice that, I can tell you this. It's a lot easier for me to give 10% now because I gave 10% then. Okay, 10% of 100 is 10, right? Oh, that's not too bad, right? But then 10% of 1,000 is 100. Well, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Let me think about this. So you, when you learn to honor the Lord with your possessions, when you learn to give what belongs to Him first, He says, I will bless you on that. He says, your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, He learned that wisdom learns to be generous. And generosity comes from God. And when we become generous because God is generous, we don't have to be begrudging about it. We don't have to withhold about it. But when we learn to be generous, we will find that God blesses that generosity. And He also takes care of our needs. He takes care of our needs. And that's what I want you to see. This came from the pen of Solomon, the wisest king 
who ever live. He says, you want to walk in wisdom? Start by trusting the Lord with all your heart. You want to walk in wisdom? Learn to honor God with all your possessions. And then number three, stay on the path of wisdom by not despising the Lord's correction or discipline. Now, I can't tell you how many times people have started out well, but they haven't finished well. And I want to tell you, we can't control where we started in life. You know, you might look at how you grew up or how you were raised. You know, it is what it is. You can't control when you were born, the family you were born into, the life you experienced growing up, but you can control how you're going to live your life as an adult until the day you die. And you and I, if we're going to continue to walk in God's wisdom, then we've got to stay on the path. We've got to make sure that we're faithful. We've got to make sure that we finish well. And, and the one insight I can give you that help, we, help you stay on the path, will help you to finish well, is don't despise the Lord's correction or discipline. <laughs> I, um, I remember years ago when uh, Phil Jackson, who coached Michael Jordan all those years, you know, he left the Bulls, and he wasn't coaching for a while, and then he went to the Lakers, and he started coaching this young team that had Shaquille O'Neal at the time and a guy named Kobe Bryant, right? And Kobe went straight from high school to NBA, and he was a talent. He went on to win five titles, by the way, one less than Jordan, and probably the closest guy to get next to Jordan. He played a lot like him. Even Jordan said, he's stealing my moves. But um, at the time, people were critical of Kobe, and they were comparing him to Jordan. And I remember someone saying, is he coachable? And that created this whole buzz and this whole debate about in the world of sports, no matter how talented a player is, are they coachable? Okay. In other words, can a coach go up to them and maybe you know, give them some critical but constructive comments about flaws in their game and how they can be better at what they do? Well, that might be a little touchy, right? Especially if they're really good, if they're an all-star, if they're known. We'll take that thought and put it into our lives. God says, if you're going to follow me, I want you to trust me with all your heart. If you're going to follow me, I want you to honor me with all that you have. Because see, now you belong to me. And everything you have belongs to me. And I want you to honor me by the way you live. I want you to honor me with everything you have. But now that you're on this path of wisdom, if you want to stay on this path, God is saying, I don't want you to despise my correction or my discipline. In other words, you get busy, you lose focus, something happens, you trip and stumble. I want you to hear what I have to say so you don't despise my correction. I want you to hear what I have to say so that you don't despise my discipline. Look, it's right there in Proverbs 3. We were reading up to verse 10, but look in verse 11. He says, Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe His discipline. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom He delights. Happy is a man who finds wisdom 
and who acquires understanding, for she's more profitable than silver, and her revenue is better than gold, and she's more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can equal her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant, all her paths are peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her, and those who hold on to her are happy or, or blessed. And so the picture that Solomon paints here of wisdom is, listen, it's worth it, okay? It's worth it. Whatever it takes, it's worth it. You know, I can remember when I was in seminary, and um, there's reason when people go, uh, go get a, uh, a terminal degree and write that dissertation, there's a reason why many people quit. And I found out real quick because as I was writing my dissertation, I was all hyped up. I'm like, okay, this is the last thing I have to do. And then I never go to school again. Oh, this is great. And so I had my topic, I had it approved, and I started writing. And I had to write a chapter. So I wrote a chapter, 20-something pages. And I had two professors on my committee, and I, and I sent it. And I went, I hope this is okay. i got to hurry up and write the next chapter. I want to keep this thing going. And a couple weeks went by, another week went by, and finally I got their feedback. I had over 100 things wrong from this professor. I had about 50 or 60 from this professor. Well, that's, that's not good, is it? That's a lot of red ink. So I, I address all those errors, and I, I clean up all this, and, and I send it back again. Same script, same professors. This time there's like... 50 things wrong with it here and 20 things wrong with it here. And it took me, it, 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 it was one of those things where God said, check your ego at the door, right? Like, like when, you're, when you're really honest, whatever you do in life, you can always improve it. When, when it comes to walking with God, we can always be a little bit more sensitive to what He's saying, can't we? When it comes to walking with God, we can always look at every area of our life and go, how can I be more faithful? In other words, we have to be able to uh, pass the test of scrutiny. We've got to be able to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to listen to your instruction. Lord, I'm going to listen to your correction. I'm going to listen to your discipline. You know, I have a theory as to one reason why people don't read their Bibles like they should. Now, think about this. Before I give you my theory, let's just think about this for a minute. At no other time in history has it been easier to get a Bible. Matter of fact, you can get a Bible without even buying a Bible. Did you know that? You might go, well, how's that? Well, if you have one of these devices like your phone and you download apps on your phone, you can download a free Bible app on your phone. You can select any language you want. Once you get to the English language, you can get just about any translation you want as far as readability. And then if you don't like to read, you're better at listening. Well, you can, you can select that you know, English language. You can select that translation of the Bible you want. And then you can scroll down to the bottom and hit that little triangle. And it'll read out loud the entire chapter from the Bible to you. I mean, never has God's Word been more accessible and available to all of us. And we've got so many options. I mean, we do. We really do. And uh, my theory as to why we, we don't read the Bible as we should, it's that uh, verse in Timothy that Paul told Timothy about. He says that God's Word 
Um, hang on. I'll get there. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 14. He says, all or 16, all Scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You want to know what my theory is as to why more people don't read the Bible? And it's not because they don't like to read. It's not because they don't have access to the Bible. You know what it is? We don't want to hear what God has to say. You might say, well, my goodness, Brother Corey, why would you say that? Because on the authority of God's Word here, he says that God's Word is inspired by God. It came from Him, and it's useful. In other words, it's practical. It's, it's something we can take and do something with. But then there's four reasons why He gave it. He says, I gave it to you for teaching. Well, that's good. I can learn something. I gave it to you for rebuking and correcting. Well, I don't like that. And I gave it for training in righteousness. You see, those four things, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, two of them are positive, and two of them we would associate as negative. I like, I like to learn, don't you? So teaching's good. Training's good too. But last time I checked, I don't know anybody that likes to be corrected or rebuked, do you? I hadn't found a one yet. And according to this... That's the four purposes as to why we have the Word of God. And that means that half the time that you open up your Bible and ask God to speak to you, He might tell you something. He might show you something that you don't want to see and something you don't want to hear. Are you willing to digest that? Are you willing to say, yes, Lord? You remember, you remember Naaman, the leper in the Old Testament? And he was, he was tired of being a leper. And he had to do something about it. And so he, he, he sent out far and wide, I need some help, I need some help. And, and finally somebody said, well, there's a, a man of God over here. I mean, he, he, he knows the Lord and he, he, he's really in touch with God and, and God's used him to help a lot of people. All right. And man of God says, I'm not talking to you. Just go wash in the Jordan River seven times. Naaman walked away so mad, that preacher didn't even come outside and shake my hand. He said, he's telling me to go to the Jordan River. Do you know how nasty that river is? We got rivers around here. They're pretty clean. They're clear. They look beautiful. And you want me to go to that old muddy Jordan River? And I mean, he was all worked up. He was arguing about it. And thankfully, the people around Naaman said, he just told you to go to the river, that river, and dip seven times. How hard is it? I know you don't like it, but how hard is it? Can you just do what he told you to do? I mean... Just give it a try. And you know the rest of that story. He kind of begrudgingly goes to the Jordan River and he dips once. Well, I'm wet. Stinky, muddy water. Twice, three times, four, five, six. I'm sure after that sixth time, he said, I told you this is a waste of time. And I'm sure they looked at him and said, one more, one more. And that seventh time that he dipped in the river like the... The, the man of God told him to. He came up, and guess what? The leprosy was gone. What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is sometimes God speaks 
in ways we don't expect. Sometimes God tells us to do things that we normally wouldn't do. But if we trust Him and don't lean on our own understanding, we learn to honor Him with all that we have and all that we do, and we don't despise His correction or His instruction, He can work in our lives in a way that honors Him. And so I want to encourage you today to remember these ideas about walking in wisdom. Start by trusting God with everything. And learn how to honor God with all you have, your possessions. And then stay on the path of wisdom. You need to finish well by not despising the Lord's correction or discipline. And to me, if you do these things, you'll truly walk in wisdom. And God will bless you. Let's uh, stand. Musicians, if you would come. Ushers, if you'll come and sit on the front pew for a moment. We're going to have an invitation first. And then after that, we'll do the offering. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to worship together, to hear your word. And now, Lord, thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to respond to you. Lord, it's my prayer today, Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, Lord, that today would be that first step they take to turn from their sin and put their trust completely in you with their whole heart. Father, I pray for your will to be done in this time. And Lord, I pray that we would learn to walk in your wisdom. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.